0: Welcome to the Fitness and Nutrition Simplified Podcast, where we take all the confusing, conflicting information and break it down so that you can live your healthiest, strongest, most energized life. I'm your host, Brian Fitzsimmons. Let's get it started. What's up, everybody? Special, special guest today. We got Nathan Jackson if you guys are not aware, he is very big in the golf space and he is also one of the guys I met through the online trainer academy mentorship. For those of you that have paid attention in past episodes, I have brought that up, met great guys like this. So, yeah, a little bit different today. We're not going to be doing the typical three topics. We're just going to be picking Nathan's brain. And I'll admit this one is one for me because as you guys know, I've been picking up golf and I cannot wait to ask this guy all the questions. So if you're into golf, if your husband or wife is into it or any rotational sport for that matter, definitely worth a listen. So Nathan, you have the floor.
1: Brian, thanks buddy. That was a great intro. What, uh, what can I help you with? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Everything.
1: Everything. Yeah. So I appreciate having me on here. Hopefully we can uh, get down to this nuts and bolts here and kind of dispel some of the myths that are uh, kind of out there when it comes to golf fitness, or like you said, you know, you kind of hit the nail on the head, any kind of rotational sport for that matter.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Now I almost forgot to mention this guy's got one of the best taglines I've ever seen bombs, birdies, and biceps. Like <laughs> that, that has to be one of the my favorite things that I've seen. Cause I've seen a lot of different marketing strategies and i'm like that is awesome
1: <laughs> thank you i appreciate that it was one of those um you know everyone wants to hit bombs that's kind of a given everybody's kind of got that in their tagline uh we all want to make birdies that you know it's kind of a given and the bicep thing is like hey we want to look good doing it right you yeah. want to fill you, out the golf shirts and get. i was those gonna t-
0: say you want to fill out that polo man
1: absolutely and you can uh, only buy
0: so many extra sh- medium shirts
1: yeah. I mean, the baby gap doesn't actually have good golf
0: shirts. So yeah, you gotta, you know, <laughs> they're missing a market there.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but yeah, you know it was one of those, uh, kind of an homage to, to like my, I got, I got started in the bodybuilding, you know, world when I got started in fitness. So it was uh, one of those things where I'm I'm still kind of old school. I like to kind of bring in an arm day every once in a while. And, you know, it's not kind of, I don't want to say it's looked down upon in the golf industry, but uh, there are more important things to take care of. Absolutely. But um, it kind of sets me apart because I want to make sure that we're getting the aesthetic appeal that, you know, people want as well. So, yeah, I appreciate that. It took me a while to come up with that one. (laughs)
0: <laughs> well, that actually gets into what I wanted to start with, which is tell us a little bit about how you started. Because honestly, I had no idea about the bodybuilding thing until now. So what got you into fitness and what got you into golf? Did you start early or was it kind of something later in life?
1: <laughs> oh, it was much later. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I got started in fitness probably back when I was, um, I know I'll take you all the way back. I was in high school in um, in the states. We had just moved from Canada to a small school um, or a small town called Cary, Illinois. It's, um, I want to say it's north northwest northwest of the city. Anyway, um, I just played football at recess, and that was kind of you know my football experience at that point in time we moved to this small town. I'm like, Hey, I'm going to make some new friends. I'm going to go for the football team and not realizing that, you know, obviously things in the States, especially from a sports perspective is at this time, this is back in like 1991, 92. Um, you know, I didn't even know what a gym was or a, you know, a fitness facility for that matter was right. And so I get there and, you know, these, these kids are in ninth grade going to high school. Are all I don't want to say, Jack, but they've all been kind of training for you know a couple of years, and I I'm just like, what, what's, we're going to the gym? What's that all about, right? And I basically got pummeled that first year. Uh, I had my like my jersey just tattooed into every part of my body, but I was too shy and too scared to quit. That's the, that's the honest truth. My mom was trying to get me to quit, and I just couldn't. Um, I should have because I didn't play and I had a horrible time. I remember waking up in like night sweats of coach yelling at me. And, you know, even though he probably didn't even yell at me because he knew I was never going to play. <laughs> and so it was just one of those things where I just, um, you know, in my mind, it was just fear, but um, yeah. So I mean, long story short, kind of like got into the gym my second year and kind of got those, those newbie gains that we're all kind of, you know, wish we had or could get now. And uh, um,
0: only we could bring those back.
1: Right. Absolutely. <laughs> and then just kind of combined with probably hormones and whatnot, you know, I bulked up a little bit or got stronger, just felt confident. And all of a sudden things became easier because I wasn't getting pushed around and kind of, um, you know, was captain of the football team the next year, or co-captain of the football team the next year. And uh, varsity kind of brought a bunch of people up when they made playoffs for practice squads. So it was just kind of a confidence boost. And all the other sports I played kind of got easier. And then I continued through basket, or with basketball up until uh, I graduated university. And when I left, I was um, thinking about going into the RCMP and for the non Canadian listeners, I guess it's kind of somewhat similar to like the US FBI in a way, I guess. Um,
0: okay. So it's like a, a law, law enforcement agency.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. And then, um, I didn't get in my, my first attempt. And so I was like, okay, what am I going to do? And at that point in time, they, they basically closed your book for a year. You couldn't take the exam for another year. So I was like, well, what, what am I doing? I have this like degree and I'm kind of like, you know, sitting with my degree in my hands. And so ended up training because that was you know going to the gym every day that was kind of what i was accustomed to with basketball and then i kind of just was like oh you know what i could probably do this for a living or at least it was something that interests me i really i did i lost interest in kind of law enforcement really quickly which probably wasn't a good thing for my parents who paid for my education but uh, <laughs> you know and so yeah that's kind of how i got started and then i got started in kind of the fitness more um physique as opposed to bodybuilding that's kind of where it started um and I, I did that for maybe like the first five years of my fitness career. Most of my um, clients though were like Bay Street, uh, which again is kind of the equivalent to Wall Street in the States. Um, Bay okay. Street clientele and, um, you know, type A's just didn't have a lot of time to do anything. And so just the littlest of anything was going to help them, whether it was exercise or sleep, nutrition, whatever. And then uh, fast forward about 13 years kind of came to a point where i was like ah I'm, I'm burnt out it was getting you know getting to me and i was like well, what am i gonna do called up my dad and he's like well, why don't you come down we'll play golf we'll you know kind of you know chat and kind of see what's going on and all right it was a horrible round, absolutely horrible but i hit that one <laughs> shot right you know the one shot that gets everybody coming back but it was the one shot yeah. that i i say kind of like turn the light bulb on where i was like oh i know the body i know how it moves I miss competitive sport, haven't done it in 13 years since I graduated. So this is something that I can definitely, not that I was going to compete or I am competing now, uh, especially after yesterday's round. Absolutely not. But, um, you know, I realized that this is going to be a journey, right? Like golf is difficult. And I knew TPI, which is a Titleist Performance Institute. It existed. And uh, so I was like, okay, well, I just need to marry the language. So I'll take those courses. But in the meantime, I'll just, you know, do the best I can and get into golf. And that's what I did. And then my wife and I were kind of getting, um, rather tired of the city we were living in toronto at the time and Mm -hmm. so we moved back down here to visit my dad which is actually where i'm from originally and just kind of a golf hotbed and i just started working in the industry i ended up taking those tpi courses i mentioned kind of going you know three or four levels in uh marrying that language marrying what i know with the body and just absolutely loving it and that's kind of um that's kind of how i got into the golf industry
0: Nice. Now TPI, I know they got three different things. There's like fitness, like one for like PTs and then something else. I'm not hundred percent sure. Maybe uh, golf pros. Yeah. Which one did you do? I did
1: all the fitness. Um, actually I've only done level two fitness. They have a power, which is still anybody can take it. I think if you've, if you've taken the level one and so it's kind of a, a fourth Avenue and it was, um, a junior Avenue as well, which is kind of a fifth Avenue, but the main three are, yes, it's the golf fitness, instructor, the golf pro and the medical side.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. I actually have a buddy that did medical side. So it's very interesting seeing the differences.
1: Yeah. So absolutely.
0: that being said, w- once you've done all this training, once you've gone through like all this experience, when you look at like your clients and you think, okay, my avatar, my, like most of the people I work with have like these issues or these weaknesses. Like what are some of the big ones that you see from pretty much everybody? Like anybody listening on this podcast could probably up their golf game just by addressing like one of these three points. Absolutely.
1: Um, where to start with this one. Uh, <laughs> So for me, I'm always i very familiar with um, the strength training pyramid of needs. So for the listeners out there who may not be familiar, basically you think of a pyramid. You divvy it up into four kind of layers. First layer is mobility, stability, muscle endurance, um, movement quality. That's really where just about everybody should start. Um, even like those who come to me who are you know in exceptional shape, they probably still have some issues there. That's where I, I kind of go first. From there, we got to build some strength. Um, this is one that's often skipped, especially with all the like the overspeed training uh, products are on the market that basically don't tell you that, hey, yes, it'll increase your swing speed. But if you don't have the, the strength behind you, you're going to be limited in how much speed you can actually increase, as well as not even or not um, considering that you need to build a braking system. And that's almost more important than the speed you gain. So if you can build a good braking system, chances are you're going to be faster anyway. And same thing with mobility and stability with that bottom tier. You work on that, you're probably going to gain speed and and um, and reduce your risk of injury just by doing, you know, kind of focusing on that. But traveling up that period, pyramid after um, strength is power. And, again, you can't really have power without strength. And then beyond that is kind of your speed. Um, you can't have speed without power and, of course, without strength and without mobility. And then the tip of the, that – Pyramid is kind of your overspeed training, and that's where kind of those those products would kind of come in. That's how I look at it, at least. Um, so just following that as kind of a, a real general guideline is is crucial. But for like those listening, they're probably like, "Well, that doesn't mean much to me." I would say the four rotary centers is probably the the main area that you know your neck, your thoracic spine, um, your uh, your hips. And basically, like your shoulder, are kind of the three areas or the four areas that people need to to make sure that they're not restricted in. From uh, from all sorts of things, you know, from a performance standpoint, if you're restricted in any of those areas, you're not going to have a good turn, whether that's shoulder turn or pelvis turn. You're not going to be able to create width in your swing. Um, and you real.
0: Real quick, don't want to cut I don't want to cut you off because you're on a roll. Just for anybody listening who doesn't know what T spine is, I know that we've gone oh, over it a bunch, but like just upper half of your torso. So the rotational component of your shoulders. Sorry, go on. Cool.
1: <laughs> so yeah, I mean neck, thoracic spine, shoulders, and um, and hips are the four key areas that we're looking at that need to be, you know, need to be functioning optimally for you to have a good golf swing, again, the positions that you need to get into. If you have any kind of dysfunction in those, you're gonna have um you're not going to be able to get in the position. So you got to kind of like compensate in other areas. That doesn't mean you still can't play great golf. Absolutely. There's, you know, there's no one golf swing that fits every person. Uh, A good golf pro will look at you and kind of fit a swing that matches what you're capable of doing. In which case, if you want to, you know, you may, Top out at a certain point where you may need to come see somebody like myself to kind of get you more mobility or more stability, whatever, to get you into better positions so you, now you can you know kind of maximize or raise that ceiling a little bit more. but um, just so not, not not everybody listening is like, oh well, you know there's only one way to swing or is, you know you have to have strength and conditioning. Yeah, I think you probably should, but you know there's plenty of guys on the tour who you know made a living without it. Um, today's game is different, but
0: I mean, I would be surprised if I ever saw John Daly do some sprints or some uh, some long distance running.
1: True, John Daly is actually quite mobile. I mean, he's uh, he's kind of an outlier in the industry. His
0: warm ups are like mind boggling. I'm like, how does he move that way?
1: Yeah, I have no idea. I saw something the other day when he was playing the championship. Um, <laughs> he was at a casino, I think, on after day one. And a meme went out saying something like, you know, after day one, 13 diet Cokes later or something like that. Like, <laughs> oh man. We're one way to hydrate, I guess,
0: but. <laughs> he is, he is fun to watch. He's great for memes.
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: But I'm glad you brought up that point of like how certain things need to be addressed, certain strength points. Now, I didn't hear you mention anything sports specific because I know that's like a big thing that people see in like the performance space. Whether no matter what the sport is or what the activity is, why not just go into the weight room and just swing a heavy ass golf club over and over again? One
1: of the things we like to say is you know we train the athlete first, the sports second. Um, you know, good training is good training. So it doesn't matter what sport you're in, you have to be able to squat, hinge, uh, you know, rotate press pull that kind of stuff um and once you have that then the last like 15 percent can be a little bit more kind of golf specific or whatever sport you play but to also kind of tap into what you said there in terms of like why don't we just go to the gym and swing a heavy club um the heavy club thing if you know i still don't get why baseball players warm up on deck with a heavy bat Same reason for golf swings. Uh, I don't mind it if you're doing it at the start of a warmup and then you go through like a body performance warmup or dynamic warmup or something like that. And the same with stretching, you can throw this in here as well. Uh, But heavy clubs and stretching, those two things actually reduce your power output. Uh, I think it's by 30% for each of them. So, I mean, there's still a lot of people, a lot of golfers I see on the range who do exactly that. They'll stretch, you know, static stretch for 15 minutes grab, you know, five, six clubs, swinging around their body, or if they have a weighted club, and then uh, just expect that things are going to be good. But it's really, uh, you know, it's, it's not the not the recipe for success. And you're basically, you know, reducing their power output. Most of the guys who do that are the older clientele or the older population, which they're losing club head speed as it is just because they're naturally getting older and not doing anything about it. So it can get pretty scary, you kind of combine those two things. And they wonder why their driver only goes 120 yards. But
0: Okay, I'm glad you threw some yardage in there because I'm like, all right, I could hit 200, and I feel pretty good.
1: <laughs> <laughs> not bad got, for somebody who doesn't, you know, practice a whole lot. But it sounds like
0: you I got are. no, I got no reference point here. So yeah. I love when you throw out the practical, uh, pr- like uh, yardage and stuff like that, so I can be like, all right, I'm not, I'm not that bad.
1: <laughs> so that story I told you earlier about me uh, getting back or getting into golf, and I hit that one shot. It was basically straight, and so it went further than the rest of my shots. But knowing what I know now, pff, I don't even think I made it to 200 yards. Like <laughs> I play that same course and I know what hole I was on. I'm like, yeah, that's probably like, that's 200 be pushing it. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, it was just that one shot. kept me coming back.
0: <laughs> okay. Yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised if the place I go just like bumps it up a couple yards, like to make you feel good. Yep. <laughs> um, okay. So we got like the, the meat and potatoes of what, actually like makes a really good program to improve your golf game or rotational sport, whatever. Um, when it comes to the split, how does that look? Because I know a lot of people end up on either end of the spectrum. They're like, they only do their activity. Like they only do golf or pat, pickleball or whatever it is, or they do both at the exact same frequency where it's like every day they're hitting the weights and doing their sport. What would you recommend?
1: It really depends on what, uh, what phase of the season you're in. So for us being, um, I believe, where are you located? Are you East Coast? I'm in
0: Jersey. So okay. it just, it gotcha. like just started up, like people just started getting out there.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, for us, um, you know, we have a true off season. We have five, six months of, you know, kind of garbage weather. So for them, I mean, obviously I want their swings to be down because they're not playing and their gym time to be up, in which case that would be like, you know, four or five times a week in the gym, one or two max swing sessions per week. Obviously, as the season gets closer, that kind of ratio is going to, you know, maybe even out a bit more. And then when the season hits, it's going to be more swings, less gym time. So it kind of depends on what phase you're in. Uh, Because we're in in in-season right now, let's talk about that. Uh, Right now, you know, the the guys going through my program, uh, I have a training days three times a week. And it's basically kind of a, a quad and a push-pull and then a hinge and a vertical push-pull and then some core kind of um, filler drills, mobility, things like that spiced in there. And then for those who are kind of already kind of checked off those prerequisites I mentioned in my pyramid, they have kind of the off days or the alternate days as overspeed training. It usually takes about 10, 15 minutes. It's something they can do prior as part of a warm up or after they warm up and then go hit their balls or go play because they're probably playing two, three times a week now as well. So that's kind of how I, I split it now. Um,
0: and for those of us uninitiated, what is overspeed training? Because I honestly have no idea what that is.
1: Okay, are you familiar with any of the products like Stack or Super SuperSpeed? Um, I've heard of them. They're like the,
0: the the rubber band, like not the rubber band, but like the rubber tubing like with the solid pole on the end.
1: Rubber tubing with the solid pole. I'm maybe not sure. Not.
0: <laughs> <laughs> maybe not.
1: I'm not sure what that is. Um, possibly.
0: Is it like uh, a resistance band?
1: No, well, I'm just trying to think. Are there other products that maybe have... Doesn't mean there's not a product out there that doesn't have that, but uh, Super Speed is kind of like your—they um, have weighted sticks or weighted clubs, and so they have kind of the overspeed, which is lighter than your typical driver. They have the driver weight that's roughly—I think it's 225 grams or so—and then you have your kind of heavier than your driver club as well. And they—they they build a protocol based on that. The stack system is very similar in terms of it's based on different weights: some overspeed, some underspeed, some at the same um, same speed or same weight as your driver um some like the mach 3 system is kind of a speed out front philosophy where they give you different kind of training tools and like ropes this might be what you're talking about it's not so much a band it's more of a um, like a fish line rope or something has a little bit of weight to it yeah i have actually a couple back here um that one's a little bit different a little bit different philosophy there but again it's it's just all about as it boils down to it this is kind of the the gold standard it doesn't matter what product you get, you have to swing with intent. And so whether you're, you know, a lot of my guys just use their driver and that's really all they need to do. And they swing with intent. So they're swinging faster than they would normally swing with their driver on the tee box. That's kind of the overspeed. If you really want to get into the overspeed, you just flip your driver upside down and swing the handle. that will be super fast. Okay. Um, so, you know, you can save yourself a couple hundred dollars there. doesn't mean the systems aren't good. They are but probably for more for the guys who are spending that kind of money on golf anyway, but for the average person, just start with your driver. You're going to notice that, uh, increment in speed right away. Okay. okay. And so same thing with like a you know, medicine ball toss
0: whack, like whack away at like, a like a no tee or anything, just hit it, like go as hard as you can, as fast as you can.
1: Yeah. I'm most trying. of them are basically no ball.
0: Okay. So just trying to keep the form and really just get in the habit of hitting it faster than you would with the intent of when you go up, to shoot your shot normal speed you're going up like a tick higher than you normally would
1: yeah you're just raising that ceiling right whatever you feel comfortable with so basically we have like your on course speed and then your you know your non-course or your no ball speed okay um it's funny what happens when you put a like little white ball there in front of you all of a sudden things change right so like you know for me my 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 on course speed and i i just started golfing like five six years ago so a lot for me is technique. Like I definitely have the strength and the power and the speed components, but technique for me and releasing the club properly is still an area that I struggle with. But for me, I'm definitely like five, six, seven, eight miles per hour slower. When you put a white ball in front of me, even if I'm trying to go as hard as I can. That's interesting. It's just, yeah. It's, a, it's and, a subset.
0: And it makes me happy knowing, cause I'm like figuring this all out on my own on the driving range. And I'm like, let me think if West side barbell taught me anything. Speed matters. So it's like that overloading principle where it's like, if you do it a little bit extra, yep. then anything underneath feels so much easier.
1: Absolutely. That's exactly what we're trying to get to.
0: Yeah. It's crazy how there's carry over there.
1: <laughs> yep. Absolutely. Um, that's good. I you know I never even thought about that, but I was familiar with, uh, with West side and, you know, the thoughts and processes, there, philosophies. And so that's, uh, I like that because I do have a lot of guys who are especially now uh, guys who are kind of coming to me who are a little bit more fit than my traditional clientele. And they kind of spent some time training, whether it is West side or something else or with a trainer who has had that background. So that's good. I'm kind of adding to my toolbox in terms of what I can refer to. So I appreciate that.
0: Oh, no problem at all. I (laughs) mean, if you ever want to have a fun day and just look at their articles on like dynamic days, I've spent like hours just going down the rabbit hole and I'm just like, wow, this, this stuff's great. (laughs) Yeah.
1: I use a lot of, um, you know, dynamics, uh, dynamic days and percentage based stuff in my off season training, or I should say more specifically in my like preseason training, once we got that strength and now we're, we're kind of transitioning into med ball throws and, depending on the, uh, the client or the person Olympic lifts and things like that, I like to start adding some, you know, banded, you know, bench press squats, things like that, just to kind of increase that, um, that dynamic there, you know?
0: Yeah. And for anybody listening, I mean, not only is this great for golf stuff, but like power is one of those things that you lose very fast as you age. So no matter what you're doing, no matter if you're playing golf, not playing golf, whatever power needs to be in your program, it needs a place. And I know that that's one thing that like a lot of new trainers, especially don't see the value in just yet, but like when you've been around the block and you see the stuff that people need, power is a big, big, big thing.
1: I couldn't, <laughs> like that's uh, I'm so glad you said that's uh, 100% agree there. Uh, especially for those who may be listening a bit older doesn't mean you have to like do plyometrics or olympic lifting i there's other things we can do med balls are a great way for older population or those who are new to it to increase uh, or to work on some power drills while they're still kind of figuring out you know gym stuff throwing a ball against the wall yes there's a technique to it and yes we can definitely hammer home the the basics and the sequencing of that but just tell somebody to take that ball and throw as hard as you can against the wall their sequencing is probably gonna be pretty decent yeah. Um, I love that you brought up like,
0: medicine balls. Those things are incredible. The leather ones, the bouncy ones, not so much, but those leather <laughs> ones that you could whip into the ground. Those are one of the best okay. pieces of gym equipment.
1: Absolutely. Especially for any kind of rotational or power athlete. I agree. Um, you know, and bands are another one too. You know, you can definitely do some explosive movements with bands that are going to be safer than doing it with a barbell or dumbbell. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think those are kind of some good way or good ways to kind of start as you're new to the gym or older to kind of increase your ability to move fast. But, you know, going back to that pyramid, you got to make sure you're safe and do that stuff. So things like uh, oscillatory isometrics I love, um iso- just planal isometrics to kind of build that tendon strength. Um, you know, you just start there, depth jump or um not depth jumps, but um drop squats, things like that where you're just kind of trying to stop on a dime to build up somebody's mm-hmm. capacity and braking system. Those are all things that I think now, and you know, I'll be honest, we're not in my program, you know, for the first 13 to 15 years of my career, and it's something that I've really since golfed and like you know what, even my non golfers need this so I have, yeah I agree 100%, 100%. that's a, a great point.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know that the med ball was one of those things that like, cause I was at a gym for seven years before going off on my own and we gave everybody medicine balls. I hadn't seen a single person get hurt. And I've seen a lot of people come back the next day and be like, I had such a zing on the ball. This is awesome.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. It's all about that nervous system, right? Stability. Oh yeah.
0: And on top of that, like when we had like the nighttime crew, we'd be like, all right, you guys look dead to the world or like the 6am crew were like, go throw the medicine ball. And then it was like a shot of espresso. It was like, all right, we're ready. Yep. Absolutely. (laughs) That. Yeah. Uh, But anyway, I was, what was I looking at? Oh, I had a question. This is completely hypothetical by the way, but let's just say somebody wanted to get ready for their golf outing with their uncles in say, I don't know, three weeks. And they wanted to be respectable, like have a couple of those shots where they're like, "Okay, he's not terrible." How would how would somebody go about that? How many times would you like to see somebody go to the range or go play a round or two? Like, how many swings a week?
1: I'm not sure if that's a golf fitness guy question or a golf. I think <laughs> it's more a golf pro question. Um, not that I haven't worked with plenty of golf pros. In three weeks, that's gonna be I, I would just you know what I would go to a pro and, and spend as much time with them as possible because you know you can get some tips or some instruction and it feels good while you're with the pro. And mm-hmm. then you go off on your own and it's like night and day, right? And so you're kind of like, oh well, you know whatever you're hitting straight or whatever now is a hook or, and you just don't know why there's so many things that can be uh, or can go wrong in the golf swing. And there's so many things that can like determine your ball flight. So it's it's tough for somebody who doesn't know that, and myself included, yeah. to kind of pinpoint what you need and what you need to work on. So you know, I always kind of tell you know, people coming into my, my network, like, especially those who are just after like distance. Yes, fitness plays a, an extreme role in that, but it's kind of number three on the totem pole. Number one would be your technique. Like if you're not hitting the center of the club face. It doesn't matter how strong or how fast I get you. If you're still hitting an inch behind a golf ball, it doesn't matter. Uh, number two is your equipment. This is a big one. Um, this is one that I'm just like currently, you know, I'm six years in, I've kind of been playing with hand-me-down clubs and I know that equipment plays a huge role, but I haven't felt comfortable with where my swing is at to drop that kind of money on clubs fit for me. Cause I still feel my swing is evolving, but I kind of took the plunge this, uh, this past winter and started doing uh, fittings and, you know, gain 30 yards with just updated tech. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, I should probably, (laughs) (laughs) I should probably invest in at least a new driver, you know? Um, Drivers kind of like your woods and drivers, they should be within the last five years because the tech does, you know, does change quite a bit on those. Your irons, you can probably get away with for like a decade. But um, so equipment and lessons are probably your biggest, like if you have three weeks, I'd say lessons is your main goal. However,
0: this isn't me. I'm just hypothetical.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Right. Where are you playing? (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, you know, from a golf fitness standpoint, that base of that pyramid is probably where you probably need to spend the most time, even though if it is you, I know obviously you're a fit guy, but just making sure you move well. I think that's probably the biggest thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. All right, cool. I'm glad that my mind was in that Era, that same area. <laughs> and now, one thing that I do like to put on or like to put out on this podcast is like ranges. Like, because I know a lot of people do, unfortunately, in fitness, like they'll get scammed by like people charging way too much for something that's really not that important. For a quality golf pro, like I know certain golf courses are like astronomical because they keep it up so well and they're just like top quality. But for like the average person just starting, what would be like a good price? like for a quality golf pro? And what would be like so low that you'd be like, eh, probably don't do that.
1: <laughs> um, I mean, if you're just doing one, like one-offs, you're probably looking at very similar to a personal trainer. It's, you know, it's going to be a 45 minute to an hour lesson. You're probably looking at anywhere between 65 and a hundred dollars. Um, I probably, you know, and same with training, like you're looking at packages is probably your best bet. Yeah. not just from a financial standpoint, but you're going to get more out of it. Right. So, plus you're more invested in it. So I think, you know, packages will differ depending on what the golf pro offers, but if it breaks down to being around that $65 to you know, hundred dollar range, I think you're probably, you know, from a financial perspective in good hands, um, <laughs> but definitely, you know, do your due diligence and, and look around. But if any golf pro tries to like fit you to a, a mold, I would definitely run because we all swing the club differently.
0: Oh, so when you say fit the mold, you mean like trying to like make you swing how they swing?
1: Or how uh, some certain tour pro swings. Now, if it's a tour pro they pick out because it's similar to you, that's one thing. But if, you know, you really, really wouldn't know this unless you asked other clients of theirs. But like if they're trying to get everybody to swing uh, like Matthew Wolf it's kind of a, I don't know, a light bulb goes off or a red flag goes off for me. Um, but that's just me, you know, I mean, it could differ between golf pros, but I know from a body perspective, we all move differently. And if we can't get into that position with arms high, there's no sense you trying to get in that position. Cause it's just going to, it's going to be very frustrating for you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Others again, carryover there. If somebody's oh, a yeah. cookie cutter coach, it's never going to end well.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: Now let's talk a little bit about the most overlooked thing there is out there, recovery. So, mm. would you say that if somebody had a really crap night of sleeping and their nutrition's a little John Daly-ish, <laughs> they might struggle a little bit with certain things on the golf course?
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, we're to start with this one. This is a big one um, from a from a managing blood sugar spike of route just making sure you have good kind of well-balanced meals uh, protein carbs fats um, hydration is huge i think i can't remember the exact stat but for every one percent of dehydration i think your your heart rate elevates three beats per minute i could be wrong on that stat but it's definitely for every uh, percentage point of dehydration your heart rate does increase so if you're trying to stand over a pot that means something and your heart is now racing a little bit faster than it normally does, that's going to affect you. Same thing, you know, me, the driver is my biggest um, downfall. And if I'm up there thinking about anything, or I'm nervous, or I'm gripping the club just a little bit harder, my heart's going a little bit faster, bad things are going to happen.
0: Um, so you're saying that if someone per se was a little dehydrated from the four or five drinks on the front nine, that might affect their swing?
1: Uh just might, yeah. <laughs> there is probably a, a sweet spot where it makes you relaxed enough to like, you know, kind of get into a good swing, but it, it definitely can uh, can hinder you if you go overboard. I'm still um,
0: experimenting with that. There's those sports that a little buzz goes a long way.
1: <laughs> I found it last year. I uh I could have two beers around, like two tall boys, but one in the front nine and one in the back nine. I had two kind of like within the front nine and my back nine was just, it was horrendous. <laughs> horrendous. Uh, but yeah, you know, going back to nutrition, hydration, those are huge. Uh, sleep plays a role in that as well. Obviously, you know, the the more fatigued you are, I, probably some heart rate increase there as well. Um, decision-making from all that, whether it's poor nutrition or, um, you know, lack of hydration, decision making goes down. That's a big one that a lot of people don't even consider, you know, you're on a par five and you're thinking about going for it in two but you, know, you have your three wooden hand or a three iron or something like that but you know, on the range you may hit that well three out of 10 times, what makes you think you're going to hit that flush <laughs> when you're on the course when it actually means something. I know I, you know, even without drinking or, you know, poor nutrition, I, I struggle with that just kind of knowing my own ins and outs of the game. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's huge from a, a playing standpoint, obviously recovery, you know, I don't, I'll have to tell you that it's uh, from a training perspective, getting more from your training, getting more from your practice, whether it's on the range or not. So, yeah, I think uh, it's huge. Um, other things we do, you know, breathing drills, things like that between, uh, between training and, and being on the course, trying to make sure you get your nervous system kind of toned down a little bit. It's tough. Cause you don't want to go too far. Cause obviously golf's a power sport and you have to exert a lot of power in a short amount of time. So you don't want to be like, you know, ho-hum, but yeah. at the same time, while you're walking in between your shots, that's a great time to kind of just try to check in. And, you know, maybe for me, it's, it sounds corny. I've actually, I don't think I've ever shared this with anybody, but I'll, I'll walk and I'll breathe in with my left Right, left, and then exhale. Right, left, right, left. So it's twice as long of an exhale, and I just kind of do that as I as I walk up to my ball. I do it a lot going up to the tee box. Like I said, my driver and I we don't uh, we're not meshing at the moment. So for me, making sure I get a good breath in and just chill out that's that's huge for me.
0: Okay, yeah, because that actually brings me into the next question, which was going to be when it comes to the mental side of things. Do you get do you have your clients do any sort of like drills or like i don't know journaling or some sort of affirmation like while they're on the course
1: i love that today's uh we actually have uh i'm bringing a guest speaker to my crew is is, uh, my mental sports psych coach um so i'm really looking forward i probably give you a better answer tomorrow but uh in terms of me with what i know yeah i mean it depends how how hardcore my client is and what were they i do have a lot of competitive guys who are know trying to do um you know make qualifiers and states and things like that so for them yeah i'll bring that into the equation you know maybe try to get a little bit of meditation in each day just try, you know kind of get nailed down that habit i guess per se
0: mm-hmm.
1: um the deep breathing journaling a little bit i know that my, my uh my coach this smart this evening who's coming in is probably going to go down that route so again tomorrow i might have a different answer for you um <laughs> But yeah, I, I definitely important. It's an area that I probably don't do enough of. But again, it's kind of like I have team for that, as opposed to me trying to like step over, you know, my lane type thing. But you know, I've, from the books I've read and you know whatnot, I definitely try to share at least the the materials that I know uh, with my clientele so they can make a, a better decision for themselves.
0: Yeah. And now is that for your paying clients or is that the Facebook group that you also have?
1: That's my paying clients. Yeah. I, um, okay bringing them in trying to get different uh, different practitioners different people in the golf industry have different skill set than i okay
0: um,
1: I, I, i'm i'm looking forward to it i know it's gonna it's kind of like our conversation now you know you're picking my brain because it's gonna help i'm gonna pick her brain because i'm like okay i know that <laughs> for my driver and when i'm you know i miss a couple putts in a row i have negative self-talk and it's uh it's definitely not a good thing
0: yeah yeah I mean it it is crazy how like no matter how many boxes we check, if the mind ain't right, it's like oh, it it all goes to shit so fast. <laughs> it certainly does. Yeah. Okay. And just in case anybody's wondering, with the Facebook group that I mentioned, I'll put the link in the description in the show notes if anybody's interested. Uh Nathan's is the Golf Fitness Lounge. So what do you got going on in there?
1: Ah, uh, what do I got going in there? Go live every Thursday and talk about uh, some sort of topic. Kind of go deep into the the grass with that one. Um, I've kind of done a variety of things with that. Haven't really stuck to a plan or a format. But you know, we'll talk about uh, you know golfers' elbow, um, maybe low back issues. Low back and and golfers' elbow are the two main areas that um, that basically drive golfers out of the sport from injury. So, you know, we'll go deep on those we'll go deep on some training practices, um, you know, maybe some swing faults that are related to how your body moves like early extension or loss of posture things like that. Um, outside of that, try to just keep things nice and light do some giveaways here and there books and you know training materials that I, that really helped me that I just try to share with the group. And then, um, you know, I'm just there as kind of a resource right so. We'll do some fun things where you're playing this week or where did you play last week? Or, you know, what are you struggling with this, you know, this week, There's some golf pros uh, in the group as well. My golf pros in there. So, you know, if somebody needs a little bit of help um, he can kind of pop on as well. My um, my medical team's in there as well. So again, it's, it's one of those things where if there's questions that are outside my lane, I'll just tag them and they can kind of pop on and do the best they can, obviously with um, you know, not seeing the person in, in person, but uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of just a, an all out hub. nutrition stuff in there. We do some weekly challenges. All kinds of things going on, but it's not really a structure at the moment.
0: (laughs) Gotcha, gotcha. Trying to see what works, you know. Aren't we all just freewheeling it?
1: (laughs) I guess so. You know, to a point, it's like
0: I I I, feel like
1: control confusion. You know, like I think I have a plan, but then the plan always gets blown up. So,
0: yeah, exactly. It's like muscle confusion. If they don't, if they don't know what's coming, it's just only going to be good things, right?
1: (laughs) As long as it's not every day, yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I, I know. I feel like in, in my group, it's like every every uh, couple months is like, all right, guys, we're changing the structure up a little bit. Yeah. But
1: it's for us too, right? I mean, it, yeah. it, to a point, it probably, you know, I don't want to say it gets boring, but it does get repetitive. Yeah. And so if we can change things up to keep us involved, it's only or engaged. It's only going to help, you know, the people on the other end. So that's good.
0: Yeah. Hey, I mean, at the end of the day, fitness is just a giant echo chamber and it's all about repackaging over and over again and trying to say it in the best way we can.
1: I just had a coaching call with, um, with one of my fellow golf fitness guys. And, uh, basically said the exact same thing. We're talking about, you know, expansion and compression. I don't know if you're familiar with the TP or uh, PRI model type thing, yeah. um, you know, versus, uh, you know, lower cross syndrome. And, uh, even though that's not the best analogy, but lower cross and like, uh, what's what I'm looking for here. Um, Oh, I'm drawing a blank. That oh, doesn't matter. But basically, you know, the trends just kind of circle around and they get repackaged in a different way. And it's something new. And it's like, well, it's not really that new if you kind of, yeah. you know, strip away all the, you know, the fun stuff and you get back to the core. It's like, yeah, oh, it's the same thing.
0: Yeah. But I yeah. mean, I, I've been like kind of deep in it for like seven years, but I mean, a guy like you that's been in it for so long, I can't imagine how many times you shake your head and you're like, well, I saw this 20 years ago. I mean, it's not that new. <laughs>
1: call me. Old.
0: <laughs> I'm just saying, I mean, how many times can they redo yeah. low carb? How many times can they redo? Like, I don't know, di- uh, high intensity training in a different way.
1: Nutrition is a crazy one. That, that one cycles around every like four or four, well, maybe not maybe like every 10 years, at least like, yeah, exactly. Like low carb, uh, caveman diets, uh, paleo. What was the one? The anabolic diet. That's how, I don't know if you remember that one.
0: I I might be dating myself That rings a bell, but like, that was early on. Like when I was like just starting lifting probably.
1: Yeah. So Atkins was always out there. I think that's kind of where everything pulls from, but the anabolic diet was basically, if I remember correctly, and I think it was like Monday through Friday or you pick your days Mm -hmm. Monday through Friday, you were like no carb, all like just protein and fat. And then you refueled on the weekend type thing. You lowered your protein, you lowered your fat to like nothing. You just carved up. Um, I did that for a while thinking it was, you know, the be all end all, not, you know, obviously not (laughs) knowing nutrition at that point in time as well as I know it now, but, um, but yeah, I mean, Atkins that I think after that came paleo Yeah. and then the different variations of that. So yeah, it's just repackaging.
0: I just can't believe how long it took them to have like quality studies that are like, all right, is this BS or not? <laughs> like True. the ones with like Kevin Hall at the NIH that he's done in the past, like five, 10 years. I'm like, why wasn't this done like 20, 30 years ago? Like, all they have to do is put people on, a, like for his, they did like two, three weeks in a med, in a medical ward study where they're like oh. two, three weeks, we control every single thing that you eat and we're going to see what works and what doesn't. And it's like, all right, calories and protein equated. Have oh at. wow, it's the same thing. <laughs> same shit. And,
1: and it's a tough one because you know there's so many, so many tribes out there, and you know the tribes run deep too. And it's like there's so many people just they look at those studies and they want to you know pick out what's wrong with it. It's like, well, there's really yeah. nothing. I mean, I'm sure there are.
0: Every study's something protein? you can nitpick. Every Absolutely. single one.
1: But when you equate calories and protein, it kind of makes your you know whatever side of the fence you're on in terms of fat or carbs, your argument kind of goes out the window there. So,
0: yeah. And what was interesting is like in some of them, they found the high carb group did better because yeah. they they enjoyed it more.
1: And that's the you know with my coaching, that's the biggest thing is like I always ask, you know, can you see yourself on this diet five years from now, ten years from now, fifteen years from now? Because if you can't, we have to figure out something like, you know, whether we, well, we got to bring in some carbs so you enjoy your, your lifestyle more. Just so you can kind of stick to it long term. Because if you hate it, you're never going to stick to it when things go rough or, you know, the scale doesn't move or, you know, your favorite piece of clothing doesn't fit or, you know, whatever. You look in the mirror and all of a sudden you see your, your muffin top or, you know, love handle type thing. You didn't see it before. That's going to kick you off
0: your your yeah. plan
1: if you don't enjoy it. But if you enjoy it, it's like, okay, well, I know you can, it's a little bit easier to kind of convince somebody that, Hey, you're going to fluctuate, but Mm -hmm. it's like the stock market over time. It's, you know, it's going to eventually keep creeping up or in this case, creeping down Um, and it's going to work for you. But yeah, it's just, it gets kind of crazy when you kind of hit the tribalism. And again, that's, that's strength training. That's that's nutrition. It's pretty much everything I believe.
0: Yeah. And I, I think it does get into that whole concept of like, everybody wants to be part of a group. Everybody wants to be yeah. part of their tribe. And it's like, nutrition is probably not the way to go to pick a tribe, but like when it no. comes to like, like <laughs> golf or like, I don't know, like a lifting, like powerlifting or like running, like that's a good tribe. That's a good place to be, Yeah, but nutrition, not so much.
1: No, I agree. It can get pretty scary.
0: Yeah. You know, you it's like the joke, like, you know how somebody's vegan? They tell you about it? They'll tell you in the first five minutes.
1: <laughs> I was vegan for five years. And uh, yeah, that's true.
0: And oh, that's, I'm glad <laughs> you said that. How was your experience? Like in all honesty, like, because I have shit on it, I will, I will admit. And that's just from a performance standpoint. Okay. Now, ethically, all bets are off because that's a different conversation in itself. But when you did vegan, what were some pros cons? Like, what did you notice at the end that you didn't think you would reflect on and notice?
1: You want the Coles Notes version or you want uh, the detail?
0: I <laughs> get all of it.
1: Um, okay. So, when I went vegan, my mom had just passed away from cancer and I was upset. And, you know, and her diet was crap. It was, you know, packaged meats. Uh, I remember going to Vegas. They live in Vegas at the time. I remember going to Vegas and, grabbing the chicken out of the fridge it came in a box and it, i put it on the grill and i just remember seeing all this crap being like dripping out of this chicken and i was you know, at the time i was in the, the fitness competition world i ate my share of chicken you know i knew like whatever was coming out of this chicken was probably not a good thing
0: you had some feathers growing
1: <laughs> you probably could have um and, I, and my mom was, and even though this is there's not good research behind this in terms of just small amounts, but my mom drank a lot of aspartame, a lot. Like everything had, like everything was fake sugar, and so she didn't try to like change her habits for nutrition. And I wasn't nutritionist at the point in time, I really couldn't help her. And so you know, whether it was Crystal Light that had the aspartame mm. all the time, the chewing gum, all the fake desserts, like I'm sure it contributed some way. Maybe it was it, uh, at the time I was misconception or i don't know the word i'm looking for i guess basically what i'm trying to say is i'm wrong i was wrong but i was blaming all these things in terms of what was you know creating her cancer yeah. anyway she passes i go from like hardcore bodybuilder, you know six times a day you know meat eggs protein shake fish to basically beans and yeah, for the first like six months, because I was so, yeah, yeah, gung ho, everybody needs to eat this way, you're going to die of cancer. <laughs> Basically, it was okay. But then it got to a point where I remember I was in the gym one day and I was demonstrating a push up for a client. And I got, you know, three, five reps in and I stopped. I remember waking up the very next day and my chest was sore. And I'm like, I didn't work out yesterday. And I'm trying to think back of what I was I'm like, oh my Lord, like I, I, Demonstrated five repetitions of a push-up to a client and I'm sore. That was kind of my initial like red flag. But me being who I am and stubborn, I just kept, you know, continuing on. I ended up going to um kind of holistic nutrition school as one of my sort of uh certifications in nutrition. And the Is that joke was will check one. No, but similar. Okay. Um, it's a Canadian version of it, but I guess. But um everyone said that you go in kind of uh, as a carnivore, you come out with vegan. I went in vegan and came out carnivore or just, you know, balanced. <laughs> and that's because during that two year period, I got to the point where I lost so much, like basically muscle mass. Now this doesn't mean it happens to everybody. The reason why I mentioned my mom is because obviously that was a stressful point in time in my life. And for the longest time or for the six months that I started out, I was basically living off the coattails of all the work I'd done previously. But then that work kind of ran out or that fuel ran out. And now and I'm totally willing to admit I probably didn't do it correctly. You know, I didn't eat enough calories. Um, I was h- very high carb. Probably not enough protein in my in my diet. I wasn't supplementing. I was I was again kind of in a mayonnaise jar when my mom passed and was like, "Oh, supplements are bad. Everything needs to be natural." And blah blah blah. I lost a lot of friends during that time, <laughs> and uh, I don't blame. I don't, you know, anybody listening, if you a friend back in the day, I don't blame you. Um, <laughs> But then you know change I, 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 man folks change <laughs> and so it got to a point where I just couldn't do it anymore uh you know didn't look good I was very gaunt um and to, you know, to be honest I'm still trying to like kind of kick it back like when I go through my off season phases of um building muscle I feel I do look my best and feel my best then unfortunately the last couple of years I've kind of done it overboard and gained a little bit of body fat but I do feel great. And I kind of see like my neck filling out for me. That's kind of a big tell my neck and my cheeks. As soon as they start to kind of go gauntish, it's like, okay, I know I'm not eating enough calories and probably not, you know, you protein um, or I'm just eating too much junk. But uh, you know, during that time it was crazy. And yeah. I had clients at the time, because obviously I was attracting vegan clients who were athletes. And they were doing quite well. And so for me, it just didn't work. You know, whether again that was a combination of what I mentioned in terms of not eating enough protein, not enough calories for what I was training. Um, My stress levels were high. I wasn't into. I guess that's probably what got me into meditation and things like that during that journey. But in the beginning, I wasn't. So you know, there's a period there out of those five years. You know, I probably was just very negative. Um, But yeah, it it wasn't a, a great experience for me. Am I glad I did it? Most people say, you know, you, you kind of pick the silver lining out of it. No, I'm sure there is. I really wish I didn't do it. Um, yeah. You know, my physique changed. Therefore, my like kind of my, um, my own self-worth kind of changed a little bit. My confidence changed a little bit. Probably not the best thing to admit on uh, online, but at the same time, it's yeah. true. You know, it was just it, like, hey, it was, it was oh, a different time.
0: A little vulnerability connects us all. Because yeah, I know true. there are some people listening right now that are like, that's me.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
0: And I mean, there is like, I know, like I've brought up like situations like, uh, I don't know if you've read like Matthew McConaughey's book, like green lights, where he, he went vegetarian and just ate nothing but lettuce and ketchup for like six months or something like that. I mean, it's kind of the same realm as that, or like Cameron Haynes going out on like bow hunts for like long day stretches where it's like just doing something hard tells you that you're capable of more. So I mean I feel like at least in that situation like even controlling uh, like your nutrition and saying I'm going to go vegan for x amount of time like you do kind of prove to yourself like I can do hard things. Yeah. 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 And now with the whole vegan thing I also I'll add that there is a good like you said there's the right way to do it and there's the wrong way to do it. So if anybody's listening, like, oh, I'm going to give it a try just to challenge myself or something, just make sure you do it right. There is like a a Mediterranean version of going vegan or going keto that actually does work really well. So it's like, you just got to check off your boxes because did you get any blood work done? Like when you were doing all that, like, did you notice (laughs) anything that was like, oh crap?
1: (laughs) Yeah. My B12, obviously that's a, that's a big one that, um, that reduced quite a bit. Uh, My zinc, that was a huge one and you know zinc for the dink is kind of a thing I used to use. <laughs> and so you can imagine without any zinc uh your your sex drive basically goes down quite a bit uh at least for men um mm-hmm. but yeah those are the two big ones that i was one other one i was uh, i was lacking in i can't remember exactly what it was
0: yeah oh vitamin like, d
1: oh vitamin d yeah and so Yes, most of it's obviously sunshine, but you know egg yolks carry a little bit of vitamin D. Um, oysters, which I wasn't really a big fan of anyway, but um, but yeah, based on the vegan diet, it was either supplement, and like I said, you know in my part of the air or my part of the world, we have six months where I'm not going to be outside, so yeah. I didn't supplement during those six months, you know for five years. And I, you know, just got busy. I wasn't playing golf at the time. So I wasn't outside in the summertime as much as I am now. Whereas now I'm getting plenty of vitamin D then I probably didn't. So yeah, it was just a bad combination of things. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's one thing to really pay attention on no matter what, what diet you're doing is like, make sure that you get your blood work done and just see the gaps. Because even if people's diets are like, quote unquote, perfect, like I've seen people go super duper clean and then they cut out salt to the point where they have heart problems or like they've gone in one way and suddenly there's a big issue. So no matter what you're doing, always good to check with the doctor and see what the hell is going on under the hood. Yep. Yeah, I agree.
1: It's a huge one.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And we're coming up on the hour and I want to be respectful of your time. So I'll leave it on the last question, which I got to ask every single person that comes on this podcast. And it's a little like, it really tells you a lot about the person that I'm interviewing here. Oh, (laughs) are you ready i guess so yeah i need to know what's your favorite movie and why oh man (sighs) well it's okay i think, uh, think about it this is a very deep question
1: it's just basically trying to i'm trying to count the number of times between the few movies that i've watched a million times each to like which one is
0: like a million and one um well is it a duration like is it a multiple watch thing or is it an enjoyment thing i don't know which where are we at here
1: both um point break
0: i saw that on your story i'm (laughs) like (laughs) Yanu.
1: so we we watch that every year it kind of kicks off our summer um but you know up until probably meeting my wife i probably watch that i don't know three or four times a year um yeah it's kind of it's ah, it's just so good it's there's it's cheesy in parts but it's like ah it's just good cheesy it's and then there's like awesome level
0: of cheesiness that's like perfect
1: yeah you know it's just good there's so many great movies but yeah i think that's probably one i've watched the most um when i was a kid probably caddyshack was was one i I watched quite a bit maybe that's probably why i'm a golfer i don't know it was set early on
0: it's a nice hat you got there you get a free bowl of soup with that
1: Nice. <laughs> hey, I broke my arm. <laughs>
0: that, the one-liners in that are just undefeated.
1: <laughs> I need to ask you now. I got to flip this around before you uh, let me go here. Um, okay. What's your movie?
0: I, I've, it's been a while since I had a guest on, so I'm wondering if anybody listening would actually be able to remember. Uh, Braveheart is mine. Why? Because it's got everything. It's funny. It's a romantic comedy. There's a bunch of blood and gore. Maybe not romantic comedy, but in my eyes, it's comedic, Um, but it's just got it checks every single box. And if you just take Mel Gibson out of the equation and his personality off screen, it's awesome. (laughs) You just got to just got to ignore Mel and it's amazing.
1: I think um, Gladiator was also up there for me as well for very similar reasons. And he, same thing, you got to kind of take Russell off screen and kind of you know take that out. Don't get a phone thrown at you. But um, <laughs> I just
0: you know. want to. I just got to block out the the like the um, flashback of him singing in Lay Miz and really just oh, yes. knock that out of my head. That was what bad. Were <laughs> what were they thinking? What were they thinking? Who heard <laughs> him in an audition and was like, "Yes,
1: that's the guy." <laughs> classic we're we're, yeah we're gonna get like canceled now
0: but (laughs) (laughs) Uh, luckily i'm not big enough to get canceled so i'm taking (laughs) full advantage good stuff yeah but that's a good spot to leave it do you have anything to add before we wrap it up um
1: no i think that we kind of tapped into a lot of things there i think that was great
0: any shameless plugs i know i mentioned your facebook group so i'll definitely be putting Um, that in the show notes for anybody listening again that is what was the name of it the golf fitness lounge bombs birdies and biceps
1: bombs birdies and biceps baby. yeah that's pretty much uh, where i'm at mostly i have a website but i think most of my my time is spent uh, when i'm not working with my current clientele is in that group so that's probably a good place to kind of go and hang out
0: okay yeah and also your instagram right
1: yeah ig is kind of where i'm at for the most part um slowly making a transition to facebook though
0: okay okay yeah,
1: I'm, I'm making that making that call shortly here but um but basically it's a repost so if you follow me on one you're not missing out on anything else though so.
0: yeah all roads lead back to facebook <laughs> kind
1: of does damn it
0: <laughs> but if anybody's on instagram it's nathan with an e at the end underscore jackson how it's normally spelled i'll be sure to throw that in the show notes too so thank you everybody for listening in Nathan, thank you for hopping on. This was an absolute blast. I learned a ton and I'm definitely going to listen back to it myself like three or four times and really write down some notes to improve my game for the upcoming thing in three weeks.
1: Awesome. Play well. Thanks for having me, bud. Appreciate it.
0: Yep. Thank you again. Until next time, guys, go kick some ass and I'll see you next time. Thank you so much for listening in. If you enjoyed it, be sure to leave a five-star review and make sure to go hit that subscribe button so that way you don't miss another episode of the Fitness and Nutrition Simplified Podcast.